And welcome to season three of the JKR podcast presented by JKR Baseball. My name is Jay Shriglin and I will be your host. We're excited to continue the JKR podcast with season three of episodes. This season, we are expecting many great series with top-tier travel organizations across the country, while we also spotlight commits, collegiate, and professional players from across the United States. It is our goal to be the player's platform for all of prep baseball. As we continue to do this, make sure to stay on top of the J-Care podcast episodes, but also tune into the other features that J-Care Baseball presents. That includes blogs like the lineup card written by John Sparacco, player-based events like Battle of Indiana, Summit City Baseball Academy, and other events being announced very, very soon. With Season 3, that comes two new programs for athletes to enjoy. Those are the JKR Brand Ambassador Program and the JKR Athlete Creators Program. To stay on top of all these features, check out jkrpodcast.com to learn more. I genuinely appreciate everything you guys have done for me and the JKR brand over the past two years, and I hope to continue to build both the JKR brand and the game of baseball for years to come. Let's dig into today's episode after a word from our sponsor. Today's episode sponsor is Mind Baseball, located in Dallas, Texas. Their bats are made from 100% European beech wood, which allows for more density, which then leads to more power. I mean, who doesn't want more power? We all know chicks dig the long ball. Multiple studies prove that beech outperforms maple, birch, and ash that you're probably used to swinging. Beech wood straight grains mean for less breaks, and Mind Baseball exceeds the MLB regulations in that category. Are you also frustrated with seeing the dried paint spots on your barrel? Mind Baseball uses a family secret technique that leaves a perfect finish every time. If you set their bat next to another brand, you will make sure that you see the difference. Lastly, they also use a built-in grip to reduce vibrations. It is the same technology that is used to reduce recoil in rifles. Make sure to check them out. Go find them on Instagram, TikTok, YouTube. Um, on Instagram, their username is at mine, M-I-N-E, baseball. Check them out, but let's dig into today's episode. And welcome back to the JKR Podcast. Today we have former Canes Midwest middle infielder and incoming Purdue transfer Cam Gasser on the JKR Podcast for the Canes Midwest Series presented by Bayou City Baseball Company. Cam, I know I've been told to get you on the podcast here for a while. Excited that I finally reached out and got you here on the podcast. How are you doing today? Good, good. In Ann Arbor currently, um, about to head home. Um, Going to be a long day of driving after this, but uh, glad to be on. Okay, awesome. Well, first off, you know, thanks for thanks for coming on the podcast. But first question before we dig into, you know, your time there at Michigan, the transfer portal, going to playing for the Canes Midwest, all those different types of stuff. I got one question I always like to ask everybody that gets on the podcast, and that is, for those who don't know you, how would you introduce yourself? Who exactly is Camden Gasser? I'm a pretty fun guy, pretty easy going. Um, can kind of talk to anybody uh, on the field. Uh, Coaches, coaches like to say I play with a lot of piss and vinegar, um, a lot of swagger, uh, confidence, and um, kind of try to be like that off the field a little bit, but at the same time still be very easygoing and can be down to earth as well. Okay, so, you know, first off, let's kind of dig into, you know, a timeline of the recruiting process, going to Michigan and hitting that portal. Now, you know, being there at Purdue, I'm sure I'm assuming you'll be there in a couple of weeks. But kind of take us through that recruiting process. You know, you're in high school, probably what, sophomore, junior year, recruiting process is getting ramped up. Kind of take us through that beginning. You know, when was it that teams kind of started reaching out to you? 
Uh, I believe it was like my the fall of my freshman year. Um, the first visit I went on was winter of my freshman year at IU. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. And I ended up loving IU. Coach Lamonis ended up leaving, unfortunately. And at that time, once he left and Mercer came in, um, I was kind of getting recruited heavily. And I kind of just fell in love with Michigan and Coach Backich and what he had going on here. And and obviously that that next year they made a run to Omaha and and he had some really great success here. Um, and, you know, just fell in love with the place up here. And and then once it came to the portal, um, you know, it was a long process. It was a stressful process. But uh, at the end of the day, I think I found a great school in Purdue and hopefully we can do great things there this year. Okay, so, you know, being from Southern Indiana, I know a lot of people down there are, you know, lifelong IU fans. So did that, you know, going through high school, did that play a role at all when you're talking to Coach Lamonis? Maybe like, oh, you know, you know, I'm a big IU fan. Did that ever play a role in there at all? Or what did that kind of look like going through that initial recruiting process? Yeah, I think I think the initial thought once I started getting recruited by IU is like, this is kind of where I want to go. Just because I grew up an IU fan, um, they were the first team to like, reach out, get in contact. Um, I had a couple of buddies. Uh, I'd been playing with Josh Pine uh, for four or five years at that time. Uh, one, still one of my closest friends. Um, I know a bunch of guys there right now. And uh, I kind of thought that's where I would, that's kind of where I'd end up. And once he left, it kind of just opened my mind a little bit and just to see what's out there and, and the other teams that were calling. And, and like I said, I just fell in love with Michigan and, and the whole coaching staff and and they do they did such a great job at at not only building you and developing you as a player but even more so as a man um and like being six and a half hours away from southern indiana you know that was a big thing for my parents like they want me in good hands and let alone the education the atmosphere of michigan um just the college the brand itself um it was just hard to say no and um yeah and you know, I, I love my two years here. So, okay. so you know, as that recruiting process was getting ramped up, you know, you're talking to Lamonis, talking to the Michigan coaching staff. I'm sure there are some other schools mixed in there as well. Kind of take us through those initial conversations. Obviously, you know, you're 14, 15 years old. What's, yeah. going, through, what's going through your mind at that point? Because you're like, man, you know, I'm going to have an opportunity to play Big Ten, play Power Five baseball. And then again, kind of take us through maybe the questions that you're asking them as the conversations unfold, questions they're asking you. Kind of what do those initial conversations look like? Yeah, I think I think it's kind of funny looking back because I was so young and like I really didn't have a clue. Like I had no clue. Like I told somebody this the other day, I was like, there's such a big difference from when I got recruited in high school versus when I entered the portal. Like I've had a taste of college baseball. I know it's also a business like it's 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 a it's cutthroat at times. And as a teenager, you don't really think about that. Uh, you're just kind of playing the game and you find a school you love and find find a school you want to go to that you find very interesting and you have a great relationship with the coaches and you kind of just fall in love with it. Um, but those, those first initial talks are just getting to know those coaches first, um, kind of laying the groundwork. And then at that time, um, the NCAA had actually changed the rule to where you couldn't go on unofficial visits until your junior year. So they were trying to, a lot of schools are trying to find loopholes to, get recruits to visits and and things like that. And so one of the biggest ways they did that was like camps and they would hold like a camp, a bunch of them were like in August and, 
and it was basically almost like a visit, but you also played some games. And at those camps, I did pretty well um, and and was backing up what I had done in the, in this previous summer. Um, and then at, once that kind of happened, then the offers um, and of the schools that I wanted to. And honestly, Michigan was was one of my first offers. And I, I jumped on it because I loved the school that much. Like yeah. I fell in love with it that quick and knew it was the right choice um so I like I like I said I didn't even really wait I committed my uh fall of my it would have been August of my sophomore year so I mean I had just turned a sophomore and and like I mean that's a that's a big life decision to make and to be honest looking back it's I had a lot of help and I'm very grateful for my parents and like their and my other coaches and and just the people that I trusted and you know paving me or pushing me in the right direction and and they knew what was best for me, and I and I'm glad I trusted them. Okay, so you know from you know like you mentioned earlier, being six and a half hours away from your hometown there in Du Bois County, what is Huntingburg, right? That's the town. Yeah. Yes, sir. Okay. Yes, so sir. With you, with you being six and a half hours away, you mentioned that you know you wanted to be in good hands. But what were some of those other key things that you were looking for as you were you know looking into Michigan, maybe looking into some other schools as well? What were some of those key things that you were looking for throughout the recruiting process? Yeah, I mean, the the biggest thing for me and my parents was I want to have a good plan B. Um, I want to have a good education to fall back on. And so I really wanted to stay in the Big Ten. I had grew up in the Big Ten country. Like, I I just kind of wanted to stay there. Um, I thought that would also give me a better chance to play. And, um, yeah, I just – I. I, like I said, I just fell in love with Michigan and, and also had a couple other schools in the big 10 and I kind of just focused on those schools. And, and once I did that, I, it kind of narrowed down what I really wanted. Okay. So for you kind of jumping on that Michigan offer there pretty quickly, you said that you knew kind of right away that that was the place you wanted to go kind of take us through maybe the day that it hits you. Okay. You know, I think Ann Arbor is where I want to go play my college baseball, Michigan. That's going to be the place I'm committing to kind of take us through maybe that day that, you know, just finally clicked, maybe that last thing that you were deciding between, kind of take us through those last moments before you commit to Michigan. Yeah, I think when I went on the visit part um, of the camp where I got to, like, see the football field and and just walk the campus, um, I just got a, a very good feel for the atmosphere, and I was very attracted to that. And like I said, the education is is top-notch, and that was a huge thing for me and my parents, and, and you know, just – I think that was kind of the moment just being on that visit though and talking with coach Backich and, and just getting to know them even more playing at Ray Fisher stadium, getting to play on the field, uh, just little things like that. And, and that kind of attracted me to the school. And then once I kept going on visits after that, um, I, I was very, very happy with my decision and, and very happy with where I landed. Yeah. So you said you got to see the football stadium there on your visit, got to yeah. go with the big house. What's that? What's yeah. that been like the past two years on Saturdays going and seeing yeah. the Michigan football team these past couple of years? What's that like as a student there at Michigan? Yeah, I uh, no offense to IU fans. I grew up an IU fan, but I I used to go to a bunch of IU football games as a, as a kid with my grandpa and my dad and things like that. And. I, I had I had no clue that Ann Arbor was going to be that crazy on game day. Uh, I mean, like, I remember my freshman year, like, we were walking out of the dorms, and there was, like, a frat right across the road. And we're waking up at, like, 7 a.m., like, 6.45, leaving the dorm to, to go 
to the field to practice before the game. Um, and there's people passed out on the lawns. And I'm just like, oh, like, I don't even know, like, how you managed to, like, even get yourself to get up in the morning to do that. Like, yeah. that is just incredible. And yeah. then, like, once you're walking to the stadium and you just have, like, hundreds of, I mean, just, I mean, it's thousands of people just in one street. And it's, it's, it's madness. And it's, I, and then I actually got to go on the field um, on that visit. But then, again, when we won the Big Ten Tournament Championship uh, this past season we got recognized on the field and uh it was pretty crazy getting to stand on the field when there's 108,000 yeah. 110,000 people there yeah I'm sure. um I don't I don't know how those small players do it uh I would I would I would be I would be uh pretty amped up to yeah. say the least yeah like I said you know I'm I go to IU right now so I get to experience those you know IU Saturday game days and I've been to been to Ann Arbor been to the big house a couple times and you're right I mean it's it's a little bit different up there in Ann Arbor than what yeah. it is in Bloomington for uh, for football games. Basketball games might be vice versa. Yeah. Uh, football, yeah, probably. Yeah, yeah. For, I mean, football. You'd walking around, you're like, man, this stuff's really going on. But yeah. um, throwing it back there before you committed. One other question before we kind of dig into your Michigan experience. You are part of the one of those couple classes that got to be recruited by both Lamonis and Coach Mercer, both great coaches. Going through and talking to both of those guys, you know, what what were some similarities, maybe some differences you saw between both those coaches? Um, I had honestly talked more with um, Lamonis, and once he left, once Mercer came in, um, I actually he was, um, I believe, had a kid at that time, um, that summer, and so I, he wasn't on the road much, and so I hadn't continued much of those IU conversations, um, after that with Mercer, um, I hadn't really known him as a coach yet, so I I really can't speak on that too much. Um, but Lamonis as a coach was awesome. And I really, I really like the assistant coach, um, who I believe is still at Mississippi state, uh, Kyle Cheeseboro. Um, I thought he was awesome, dude. Um, obviously, like I said, growing up an IU fan, um, you know, it interested me in going there and I was, I was very attracted to go there. Um, but yeah, like I said, once, once Lamonis left, um, I, I didn't have as much contact with IU. Um, and like I committed pretty shortly after. Um, like right after that summer. Um, and I was, yeah, at that time it was already, you know, too late to, yeah, to talk course. to any other schools. Um, but yeah, I couldn't really speak on that part. Sorry okay. about that. Okay. No, you're good. Um, but with you being like, like we've talked about before, six and a half hours away from Ann Arbor, being from Southern Indiana, going to, you know, Eastern part of Michigan, what were some of the relationships you had before you stepped on campus with maybe some of your future Wolverine teammates? And then how did that evolve as you got to campus? What were some of those pretty good relationships you were able to build with some of your teammates there in Ann Arbor? Yeah, I mean, these are my boys, you know, um, they, they've helped me a lot the past two years. We've, I've grown as a person with them the past two years. Um, but going into college, I, I only knew the guys in my class just, I mean, through like Snapchat and things like that, Instagram. Um, once I got up here and, and got to, got to hang out with them. And I mean, every day, pretty much our freshman year, um, me and my roommate and a couple other freshmen would be at the sophomore's house every single night after practice. So like we were, we hung out every single day. Uh, yeah, I mean, these, these are my guys. So I'm very grateful for the relationships I built here. Um, and the connections here you can build in Michigan are, are very, very lifelong and, and lasting. I mean, there's a lot of successful people that go here, um, both in, I mean, all sorts of networks. Um, it's just a very successful school. And I'm excited 
to be able to go to Purdue because it's the same thing there. Um, yeah. It's a lot. That's also it's a lot with those Big Ten schools. Like I said, um, it's you get to build those relationships and and be able to network and and those last you your whole life. Um, yeah. And and that's a very big thing for me. Okay, so you step on foot in an arbor there your freshman year. Kind of take us through that freshman fall. Maybe some of the biggest surprises that you saw, what that day-to-day was looking like playing fall ball, going through some yeah. scrimmages. You know, kind of take us through that freshman fall and maybe some of the biggest thing that hits you when you, you know, are getting adjusted to college baseball. Yeah, uh, well, unfortunately, my senior year, midseason, I, I had tore my non-throwing shoulder. I tore my left labrum. Um, and so that summer I had rehabbed all summer to be able to try to play through it that fall and that spring. And it had popped out. I mean, there was nothing really holding it. So it had popped out like six or seven times. Um, and our first inter-squad scrimmage, I actually tore it or it popped out again. Um, and at that time it was, it was just time to bite the bullet. Um, but that beginning of the fall and just the initial reaction to getting on campus, it was definitely a culture shock just because, uh, you know, I'm from the middle of Heidelberg, Indiana. It's, uh, it's, it's pretty, it's pretty straightforward there. Um, yeah. and, and, and Ann Arbor is very different, um, in a lot of ways. Um, and so it was kind of a culture shock and I think that was good. I think that was good for me and just, just seeing the, just being outside of, of a small town. Um, but that, and the, on the baseball part, um, I mean, the, the initial fall workouts were very tough. EB has a, I mean, almost military like style workout. Like, I mean, it's, it's on the track. You want to throw up, like it's, it's tough. And it was, it was, it was a grind for sure. Um, and I'm kind of, I kind of upset that that October I ended up getting surgery, but that first August and September was was definitely yeah. a grind for sure. Yeah, sure. Um, but you, so you get that surgery. Kind of take us through that recovery process. How long it was it taken? Maybe some mental roadblocks yeah. that you had to you know overcome to get back to where you're at now. Kind of take us through that recovery process after that injury. Yeah, I um, like I said, I got it in October, I believe, beginning of October, um, and it pretty much wiped out my whole freshman year. Um, I didn't really have a good chance of coming back healthy, fully healthy and being able to contribute. Um, and, and that was very tough. That was very tough. Cause I had came in thinking I had a shot to play. Um, just like I think any freshman, you know, they want to believe that. Um, and I thought I had the talent to do that as well. Um, so it was very tough. Um, and it was a long, long, process it was doing the same thing every day it was the same hour hour and a half long therapy the same movements the same reps the same sets like it was it was just kind of dragging um but I think I grew a lot like I said as a person during that time just because I was away from home um I had one arm for a while like I had a it was it was a tough life there but I, I definitely grew as a person I think it it made me better for it Um, but I didn't really get to come back until, I mean, even, even once I started summer ball, um, like it still was kind of like hadn't gained all the movement and was still a little sore and things like that. Um, and that was like seven months in, um, but 
once I kind of got into the midsummer, it, it had loosened up and, and I kind of gotten a lot of my movement back. I'm still not completely there. Um, but, uh, I'm pretty good for the most part. So, um, I'm grateful, honestly, for the doctors, um, at Michigan, they did a great job with it and I haven't had hardly any problems at all. So, okay. all right. So you get back <laughs> to the point to where you are playing, you know, on the day to day, I, I know you said before we started recording that you were playing back home in Huntingburg, you know, after that summer, you get back to Ann Arbor, you know, kind of knowing what to expect when it comes to being a college student, being a college baseball player in the fall, take us through that sophomore fall as well. And what that was looking like and how maybe those first couple weeks, maybe the first month and a half or so before that injury in the fall, how those maybe compared, or maybe there's some uh, differences, some similarities there as well. Yeah, there was a lot of difference uh, uh, just because we went through a coaching change. Um, I mean, that, that was very, at the end of the season, my freshman year, um, we were sucked to have EB left. Um, and then obviously Tracy came in and we kind of had to adjust to what he wanted to do. So it, it was different than the previous fall. Um, but I mean, it's still, it's still college baseball and, and still college fall ball. Like it's going to be a grind no matter what, um, no matter honestly what level you're at. So you just kind of have to expect that. Um, and, and I think, that would be pretty much the only similarity, but I think adjusting to, to what Skip wanted us to do and, and how he wanted our team and organization to look like and how we wanted to build our team and, and what product we wanted to put on the field. I think just adjusting to that um, versus what coach Backage had um, was the, was the main difference. Okay. So, you know, this past winter, you guys get back to Ann Arbor, still maybe a couple of weeks there from starting the season. I believe you guys started the season in Arizona, but you might correct me there if I'm wrong. No, you did. You did. Kind of, okay. Did. But kind of take us through, you guys get back to Ann Arbor after winter break, take us through what that mindset is heading into your sophomore spring or is it, is it redshirt spring, redshirt freshman spring? Yeah. Spring? Yeah. Redshirt, redshirt. Okay. So you're heading into your redshirt freshman spring, kind of take us through that mindset before the season gets started and what that was like making your collegiate debut. Yeah, I had had a really good fall um, leading up to the season. Um, I had a, a couple ups and downs in the winter. Um, I think that's just hitting. You know, you can't be perfect 12 months out of the year. Um, it's a very hard thing to do. Um, but I was pretty confident going into the season. And and I had, I had like I said, done done pretty well in the fall and, and had, had shown what I could do. Um, and didn't get as many at-bats and appearances is what I wanted to, to or what I thought I was going to get um but going into that debut um like I said I was confident and I did pretty well um and and you know it was was pretty awesome to be able to play my first game against Michigan State too in Arizona to open up a uh, second game of the year um but to open up in Arizona was very cool um and a very cool experience and uh like I said to open up a versus rival is uh can't really beat that yeah, I'm sure. So you guys are down there in Arizona. It's the MLB Desert Invitational. I believe that was the first year they've done it. But kind of take us through um, just the experience of being down there, what that looked like, uh, maybe the stadiums you guys were playing at. What did that whole MLB Desert Invitational experience look like? Yeah, it was very cool. I'd never honestly been to Arizona. Um, so it was very cool to kind of just see the area. And, and the fields we played at were top-notch. Um, they were awesome. And – the weather obviously is a lot more better than what it is in Ann Arbor at that time. Um, so it's, it's nice when you leave for that first trip and, and you leave in a jacket and then you get there and you're sweating. So it's, it's kind of nice that feeling uh, once you get off that plane. So. 
Yeah, I'm sure. But looking back at, you know, this past spring, you got some ABs against, obviously, Big Ten. You're facing Michigan State, some other Power 5 schools. I know Texas Tech was mixed in there as well. Saw some other non-Big Ten Power 5s too. But got the chance to get some ABs against them, against some mid-majors as well. With you getting ABs against some mid-major pitchers and some Power 5 pitchers, was there a difference at all when it came to the pace of play, how competition? What did that look like facing mid-major compared to maybe some Power 5 programs? I mean, you're kind of splitting hairs. I mean, I, I feel like all of Division One baseball, to be honest, is, I mean, got pretty good arms. Um, the pitchers nowadays are just better. Um, and hitting, like I said, hitting is hard. So, um, yeah, I, I don't think there's too much of a difference. Obviously, I think the only difference is when you face those, those top 15, those national brands, those blue bloods of baseball, college baseball. Um, you, you see the depth and like even their margin guys are still 95, you know, 94, 95, like they're still got that, that stuff. Um, I think that's kind of would be the only difference, but when you're seeing main guys on teams, I mean, you're going to see dudes every, every Friday. So, yeah. So going through that spring season, obviously you guys are, when you guys get back to Ann Arbor, go into Big Ten play, you guys are having midweeks against maybe some local schools that having, you know, Big Ten play on the weekends. Kind of take us through what that average week looks like as a baseball player there in college, what, that's, what that is looking like doing mid-majors, going into Big Ten play on the weekends as well. Yeah, um, it just depends, like, if we're on the road or not. Like, if we're at home, um, usually um, that Monday we're off. Tuesday, it's it's more light unless we have a midweek game. Um, usually the midweek would be a, a Tuesday or Wednesday. Um, but so play one of those days and then the other day we would practice. So if we played on Tuesday, we'd pr- practice on Wednesday. Uh, Thursday is more of a prep for the for the series. Um, it's kind of lighter and and just kind of tuning things up most of the times. Um, and then obviously going in, you want to just be confident going into those weekend series that Friday through Sunday. And um, and then obviously if you're on the road, you get back that Sunday night, uh, you're off Monday, but you got to go to class and and then you got the midweek, you know, you got the midweek Tuesday or Wednesday, like I said, and sometimes you're even on the road again. So you're leaving Thursday and so, yeah. so it's, it's, it can be tough at times, but you know, it's, it's what you signed up for at the end of the day. So yeah. uh, you gotta love it. Gotta love it. Of course, of course. So as you guys are going through that weekend prep, I'm sure there's a bunch of hitter meetings going on, maybe with the hitting coach kind of figuring out, okay, this pitcher likes to throw this. This is his strength. This is his weakness. Kind of take us through what those hitter meetings are kind of looking like, maybe the way that the information is presented to you guys. You know, what do you, you know, how much information do you guys have generally have on different pitchers heading into the weekend series? Yeah, we got all of our stuff from Synergy. So you can see – I mean, percentages and what he throws in one counts, what he throws to versus left-hand hitters versus right-hand hitters and what he likes to throw when there's runners on in scoring position, all the, all the things you can imagine. Um, and then with that, we also have video to where you can see how his pitches are, are moving and how they shape. Um, so like for me, I'm more of a visual guy than I really rely on the percentages um, I like to see, I like to see it out of the hand and I like to see the shape of it and how it's going to come into me or how it's going to go away from me um, and kind of where he likes to put that ball. Um, if he, if he likes to cram it in and then go away when he's got two strikes or, or if it's the opposite, or if he, he likes to just go away, away, and then, and then bang you in with a change at whatever it is. Um, just kind of like to see that visually is, but there, it just depends on the player. Um 
but before every game we get all of that so just kind of you kind of get your choice of what you want to dig into okay so you know as you're looking back into these past two years you know your freshman year your redshirt freshman year what are some of those favorite memories there in Ann Arbor, whether that's on the field, off the field, you know, maybe in the classroom as well? What are some of those just favorite memories that come to mind when you think of your two years there at Michigan? Yeah, I think, like I said, just the relationships I built. Um, I think I have quite a few lifelong friends and and connections that that will pay dividends in the future. Um, and I just I love the people here and. And like I said, just the friends that I made. Um, so that's kind of the worst part about leaving this university um, and kind of what makes it tough. Um, so I just think that's kind of what I'll miss the most. And the best memories I have is is just with my teammates and with my friends and peers up here. And 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 whether that's going to the football games or, you know, going going to the baseball house or doing whatever it is, um, tailgates, um, all of it. Um just being with it's more about the people and who you're around than it is what you're doing. So yeah, sure. So what's that going to be like when those former teammates become opponents this upcoming spring? Yeah. Boiler makers do beyond. <laughs> what are you looking forward to most for that weekend? What are some, you know, I just kind of take us through what that first, you know, time facing Michigan is going to be like. Well, I will say it is definitely already circled. Um, no doubt about it. Um, I love this place. Like I, I've only spoke highly about it this whole time. Um, but I do, I think it's going to be very fun, um, to say the least. And, and I think I'm going to have that weekend circled and hopefully have a, a pretty good weekend, um, okay. series against them. And my freshman year, we actually played at Purdue, um, and they whooped us in the series and then we didn't play them this past year. So I believe hopefully fingers crossed that we'll be playing in Ann Arbor this year. Um, okay. so that'll be pretty fun. I'll have a, I'll have a good crowd there too, for sure. All right. Well, I'll have to I'll have to make sure to you know look at that whenever that Purdue baseball schedule comes out. I'm gonna have to make sure to look and tune yeah. in that weekend to see how you know see how you're doing against your former teammates. But absolutely, um, with you heading to Purdue, I believe here in the next couple of weeks as school's getting ready to get started, kind of take us through you know the transfer portal process. You decide to transfer. Kind of what happens next? You know, how do you officially? Yeah hit that portal. I know I've had a couple guys in the past who've entered the portal, but haven't really talked on it a lot. Kind of take us through when, you know, in your mind, you're like, okay, maybe transferring might be best. Kind of what happens next in terms of maybe some paperwork, who do you need to talk to, you know, kind of take us through that whole process. Yeah. I just, I, I thought I could find a better fit, which is why I left. And, and honestly, at the beginning, there wasn't too much just because, I mean, there's however many people in the portal, it's insane, the amount of players and not even players, but good players um, that are in the portal. So there was, it was more um, not as much communication with coaches. There was still some interest, um, but it was a lot more smaller. Um, and then once I started playing in Lafayette, I actually started playing for the Aviators, um, which is in the prospect league and kind of got some looks there and, the two schools that I ended up narrowing it down to was Purdue and in Miami of Ohio. And I really liked what coach Smiley and the staff was, was building, was going to build over there. Um, and I, I really loved the campus and the school itself, uh, but just felt like Purdue was the best fit for me. Um, and, and just staying in the big 10 is, was really key for me too. And also just being in state um, and, and let alone getting, a lot of my schooling paid for as well. And, you know, it, it was kind of just the best, the best route to go. 
um, for me. And that was, I mean, I committed kind of late, uh, to be honest, most kids I feel like are, were more late June or mid June when they were committing. Um, you still see a few guys going now, but, um, yeah, it was, it was very stressful, I would say, um, because you're trying to play summer ball, you're trying to play well, um, you're trying to get looks, um, you're trying to still have fun with the game, but, and you're also trying to find that right fit and, and you're kind of, um, you know, you don't get, uh, a huge number of options. Um, I, you know, you have a good amount, but not necessarily the, the dream schools you have, but I mean, Purdue is, I mean, an awesome school, like I said, and can't wait to be a Boilermaker and, and be in West Lafayette for sure. Um, so you said it was kind of a stressful process. Did you ever, you know, as you're going through summer ball, did you ever find yourself maybe pressing a little bit more than you usually do? Maybe putting a little bit too much pressure on yourself, kind of take us through that and what that mindset was when maybe, you know, you entered it, you know, waiting a couple of weeks before you did commit, kind of take us through, you know, just what that was looking like. Yeah. I mean, obviously as a player, you want the stats to be good, but um, I was in, obviously, you know, when they're, when it's, you're not hitting as well, or if you're, you're not playing as well it, it, you definitely do press and um but with coaches you know I just wanted to affect the game um I wasn't I wasn't trying to hit a home run every time or I was just trying to play my game and and kind of just be a be a little pest and and affect the way affect the game um in a in a, in a positive way um but definitely when the hits don't fall or if you make an error you definitely kind of press a little bit and you're like, dang, I really, I really need to make that play. I really need to, to get a couple hits here, you know, just for, for statistical reasons, for your well-being sometimes for everything. Um, but, but like I said, I, I wasn't, it wasn't too bad. It was, it was more of just finding the right school. That was the more stressful part. And um, I don't know if that really affected the, the on-field play or not. Maybe it could have, I don't know. Um, but wasn't really thinking about that. Okay. So, you know, as you're going through this portal process, you said you're deciding between Purdue, Miami, Ohio. And again, I'm sure there's some other schools mixed in there as well. What were some of those key things that you were looking for when you're, you know, talking to some coaching staffs and deciding between which school is probably the best fit for you? And what exactly was it that put Purdue on top in front of maybe some of those other schools that were reaching out? Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, I want to play. I want to play every day. Um, and that was the main thing. And, you know, obviously I – both both of those schools and and the other schools I was also looking at were were pretty good educational schools uh, academic schools and I I didn't want to really trade my Michigan degree for something that wasn't as good um, and so being able to trade that Michigan degree for a Purdue degree is a pretty good substitute um, so that and that was also very important for me um, and my in my family um, and. Like I said, and that was the main point in the recruiting process in high school as well, is still finding a good education and having a good plan B. Um, and that that kind of was a similarity between, you know, the recruiting process in high school versus versus the portal. Um, that kind of stayed the same and was just lucky to to find Purdue and and you know, be able to go to an academic institution and an athletic um department that's just top to bottom, very, very good. Um, so I'm, I'm very excited. Okay. So turning that, so turning that Michigan degree into a Purdue degree, I, I believe from, uh, so like, like I said, I go to IU, so I don't know too much about yeah. Michigan, too much about Purdue, but I believe yeah. Michigan's more of like a business type school. Purdue's more engineering. 
you know, or yeah. what, in terms of like the studying and the academic side, what's your plan there in terms of, you know, what are you going to be studying at Purdue and what were you studying at Michigan? Yeah, at Michigan, I was studying communications. Um, I kind of want to go into some form of sales um, is what I'm thinking at the time or right now. Um, that could most definitely change within the next two years. Uh, but at Purdue, um, I'm, I'm going for a communications degree as well, but I'm going to end up switching that to a sales degree. Um, I just have to get my first, my credits to where I, um, I'm able to switch that major. Okay. So I know school's starting here pretty soon. I know, I think for me, it's like 21 more days until I end up moving back down to Bloomington. So I think Purdue's kind of on that same schedule, you know, what's that plan here these next couple of weeks when you plan on getting on campus and, you know, what are some of those expectations you have for the fall for your first fall ball season at Purdue? Yeah. I mean, thankfully I've been in Lafayette, um, the past like month. Um, so I got a good taste of West Lafayette and just the area. Um, but right now, like I said, I'm in Ann Arbor about to go home. Um, actually going to stop by Lafayette at my dad's house to grab some stuff. Um, we're going to be at home for a few weeks and then going to have to come back up here and, and completely move my stuff out. Um, and then once I do that, it's pretty much driving straight back down to West Lafayette and moving in there and I believe class to start the 21st. So we're going to try our best to show up the first day. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. Like to hear it. Um, kind of next segment I want to dig into travel baseball. Now this is the Canes Midwest series, so we got to make sure we show Coach Hunley and all those guys a little bit of love. Uh, kind of take us through, yes, you know, how connected with the Canes Midwest. You mentioned Josh Pine, who I know played for the Canes Midwest for a while as well. Um, but just kind of take us through tr your travel baseball experience and how you got connected with the Canes Midwest. Yeah, um, I saw so I played for them for one year, uh, my 17U year, and. I had the time of my life, man. I mean, I, Jay and that staff were just awesome. Um, I don't even – I just remember calling Jay, um, and he was like, let's ride. And just I ended up being the everyday shortstop for him. And like I said, just had an, just a blast. And I still talk to a lot of those guys on that team still today. Um, and those coaches were, were just awesome. They let us be ourselves. They let us have fun. Plus, we were really, really good. Um, so that always helps. Um, but yeah, I was very, very fortunate to be able to play for, for the Canes. And I love that man, Jay Hunley. Love yeah, that man. He's a, he's a, he's a character. I, I went, I had the chance to go down to North Carolina with them this past summer. It's kind of my, I've talked to him on the phone before, but it was my first time kind of meeting him in person. I'm like, man, you know, this guy, this guy's a fun guy to be around. He's a definitely a guy I'd want to play for, but that's oh, yeah. kind of into my next question. Oh, yeah. Um, kind of, you know, what are those relationships you were able to build with those different Canes coaches? Obviously, you have Coach Hunley. I believe Hunter McIntosh was on that team as well as a coach. Uh, maybe Webb as well. I'm yeah. not 100% yeah. sure. But kind of take us through those relationships you have with those different coaches in the Canes. Yeah, we had those three. Um, and then we also had uh, Ben McDaniel. Um, and those those four as a group were, were very, very fun. Um, and, and like I said, they just let us do our thing, man. And and when you let players be themselves and let them play freely, usually good things happen. And they did a very good job at that. But they also did a good job of making sure you played the right way. You know what I mean? Like there wasn't ever – you never crossed that line of doing something stupid. You know what I mean? You They pushed you to play the game the right way but be able to play it with some swagger and be able to play play loose and, and have fun and have fun with your buddies. Plus it's your last year of travel ball. Like that's what you want, right? Like – 
that was the biggest thing I was looking for. I was like, man, I just want to have a lot of fun and, and be able to play for a very good team. And, and that was what the Canes Midwest was. Um, and like I said, just very fortunate. I was able to play for, for that coaching staff and, and like still talk to most of them today. Um, I mean, they reached out once I committed, they, they are still talking to me. Jay was helping me, um, a little bit through the portal process. Um, like those, those are some good dudes and, They've always had my back, and I'll always have theirs, so I can't thank yeah. them enough. Yeah, for sure. So you said you played for the Kings Midwest Day, your 17U season. Uh, what were maybe some travel teams you played with before, and how did they compare to the Kings Midwest there for that 17U summer? Yeah, I had played with Indiana Bulls um, Black from 10U to 14U. Um, and then my 15 and 16U, I played for the Ironman Prime out of Louisville. Um and that's kind of the, when I got recruited was when I was playing with Ironman Prime. Um, and then my 14-year year with the Bulls as well. Uh, but mostly once I started going to the Prime, once I went to the Ironman Prime. Um, but, I, I mean, they were all very fun. Um, I loved my travel ball career. Um, I mean, those four, four, half, whatever it was, years with the Bulls was was awesome. Um, made a lot of friends through that organization. Um, and, like, we were – the very good team. Um, I mean, we were a top 10 team in the country. So that was good to play at that young age, play against the best competition you can possibly play. I think that was very huge for my development. Um, and then this, when going to the Ironman, still playing that good competition and, and being able to, to get seen in front of college scouts. And, and I had a really good um, coach at that time. Uh, his name's Mark Peters, who does a very good job at um, setting his players up with coaches and in different teams. And he helped me a lot. And I also got some schools on my own. And, um, you know, when you have a good coach who puts in a good word and you also can back that up with play and you get some looks, uh, you know, it was, that was kind of the best part about the Ironman. And like I said, going to the Canes, um, for that last year and just being able to be myself, um, make a bunch of friends, um, love to play the game. Um, even like we were playing in Georgia, it's a hundred degrees and it's July. Like I was still out there, like we were still out there having fun. Like it was, and those are like the dog days of summer where you kind of just want to pack up the cleats and, yeah. you know, kind of move on to football season. Um, but you know, it, it was still fun and enjoyable and, and still, still an awesome experience for me, but all three um, of those programs were, were very good to me. Um, and I think I gained a lot from all three. Okay, so, you know, looking back on it, playing for Bulls Black, playing for the Ironman, playing for the Canes Midwest, what are some of those favorite travel baseball memories that come to mind traveling down to Atlanta, maybe Hoover, all of these different places, you know, down there yeah. in the south? Um, kind of take us through yeah. some of those favorite travel baseball memories on the field, off the field. You know, what are some of those memories? Yeah, I think I think off the field was, was just being able to um, – learn and be able to go with my dad as well. Um, and my mom traveled a lot as, um, with us as well. Um, so being able to kind of just build that connection, you know, when you're young and, and being able to drive six and a half hours with my dad and then hop out and play a baseball game. Like those are memories that, you know, kind of last forever. Um, but on the field was just playing with, with a bunch of really good, um, players at that time at my, like in my age group, um and being able to just have fun and and play against some really good competition at that age and, and get a lot better 
as a player. Okay, so throwing it back into the Canes Midwest, I got one more question before we dig into high school there for a couple of questions as well. Obviously, I know your your vision's on the next step of your career playing at Purdue, but I do want to throw it back there for Southridge for a little bit as well. Yeah. But that last question on the Canes Midwest, obviously a lot of guys in that 2021 team are now playing college ball, playing at the highest level. What were some of those relationships with guys, you know, on that team with guys across the state of Indiana that you were able to build through that Canes Midwest program? Yeah, I mean, like I said, I still talk to quite a few of them. I mean, a lot of them. Um, still check in with quite a bit of them. And, um, you know, guys like Chris Gallagher, uh, Mason David, um, some of those guys on the team. Like, I mean, I was actually, when I committed to Purdue, I was at Chris Gallagher's house and he wasn't even there. Um, I'm just that close with their family now. Um, and they're Boilermaker fans, so they were going crazy and whatnot. Yeah. But, um, yeah, like just things like that. Um just having people who, uh, you know, have your back and have your best interests and and love you for, you, for who you are. And um, I got to build quite a few of those relationships and 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 a lot of good friends off that Canes team. OK, so digging into your experience there at Southridge, I believe it was uh, 2021 when you guys won that um, Indiana State Championship. So kind of take us through your high school experience. I believe was it your was it be your sophomore year that was COVID, uh, but kind of take Junior. us Junior, yep, junior year. So kind of take us through your high school experience, maybe just, you know, touch on what co that COVID experience was like too, kind of figuring out that your, you know, junior season was yeah. going to be by the wayside and then digging into your senior year as well, um, kind of what that was like, kind of making that state championship run. Yeah, I think just playing Southridge sports in general was just awesome. And I got to play um, a lot as an underclassman as well. Um, just growing up, uh, going to all the Southridge football, basketball, baseball games, um, having a brother that was in the programs. Um, I was, it was almost like your little childhood dream, kind of. Um, and I got to play all three sports and be a vital part for all three teams. Um, so it was a lot of fun. I, I enjoyed Southridge. I love Southridge. Um, and yeah, it was that, that first two years uh, we lost the state championship was tough. Um, and I, I had a good feeling that that junior year we were we were going to get over the hump. I think that honestly was probably our best team. Um, but to be able to I think we had no doubt in our mind our senior year that we were winning that thing no matter what. Um, it didn't really matter who we played. You could have put the Yankees in front of us and we were still thought we were going to beat them. So uh, I don't I didn't think there was any shot that we were ever going to that whole season. Um, I mean, we all knew what what we had to do to get there. We all knew we were good enough to get there, um, and we just went out and did it. Yeah, so your senior year, obviously you, Colson Montgomery, from the sounds of it, like I said, Gus Heichelbeck was telling me some stories of this, that 2021 Southridge team, how you guys were the, the, the dynamic duo. You know, you guys were, I believe, co-player of the year in your guys' conference. Kind of take us through how you and Colson, obviously being such – high caliber baseball players, how you guys maybe pushed each other and maybe, you know, maybe picked each other's brains as well going through those years at Southridge, especially that 2021 season when you guys won that state championship. Yeah. I mean, he made me a lot better and I think I made him a lot better. Um, and that was, I think that was kind of our whole team. Um, I think we all pushed each other um, and, you know, seeing someone hit the ball well, like, uh, you know, I, I, I was hitting it pretty well my senior year, you know, that gives him confidence and makes him want to go up there and do the same thing. Cause he knows he can do that. Um, so I think we just built off each other and, and we had a lot of fun doing it. We were, we were on the left side there at third and short. Um, I, I, I don't think there was a better, 
left side of the infield in the state than uh, us two over there. So uh, maybe, maybe in the, maybe in the history of the state for all I know, <laughs> uh, we were pretty good over there. Yeah. Um, so it was, it was awesome to play with them. Um, but not only him, um, Ethan Bell, Chase Taylor, all those guys, um, all my high school buddies, um, just being able to play with them and have a lot of success. That's, I mean, it was so fun. Um, because you know, it was top to bottom of even, even the role players were good baseball players. Like it, even though the non-college baseball players were good baseball players. Um, so like it was, it was a lot of fun. It was a lot of fun. And, and I, like I said, I think me and Colson just got better, um, playing with each other, um, competing against each other, competing with each other. Um, and, and we did, a, we did a lot of good. Yeah, I'm sure. So take us through that Indiana baseball competition, what that looks like on the day-to-day, all those different, you know, top-tier school like Jasper. I know they're very good. Um, some other, t- like Evansville, all those different schools in southern Indiana. Kind of take us through that Indiana baseball competition. And then, you know, question part B on that. Toughest pitcher you had to face in southern Indiana. I know, you know, I mean, shoot. I mean, there's so many different guys from southern Indiana to go play at that Power 5 level. I'm not even going to, you know, name drop anybody. But kind of take yeah. us through that baseball competition and that toughest pitcher that you had to face in your high school career. Yeah, I think, um, I mean, looking back at it, our conference was, was very good. And the teams we played in Southern Nina were very good. And being one of the better teams in all the state and especially Southern Indiana, we saw usually the best arms. Um, so like we were seeing the Cam Tillies, the, the, the D the other D one commits around the area, um and like it was good competition i mean there wasn't a lot of a lot of scrubs at all when we when we um played and like our sectional we were facing kid throwing 90 our our regional we were facing kids throwing 90 our semi-state we were facing a projected top 20 pick like we're uh, our state championship we're facing a d1 guy so like we're facing dudes like the the state of indiana that year um and honestly um just the competition, honestly, all throughout high school, but especially my senior year, um, was just a lot of good competition, a lot of good baseball, uh, a lot of talent in Southern Indiana, and honestly, just across the state. Yeah. So with you being a three-sport athlete there at Southridge, like you mentioned earlier, got the chance to be a pretty vital player on the basketball, baseball, and football team there at Southridge. Being a three-sport athlete, how do you think that helped you grow as a baseball player? Yeah, it, it – it helped me immensely um, being able to play other sports, compete in different ways, learn how to win um, in, in different ways. Um, and I mean, just taking a break from baseball as well. Like you get to go do something else. Um, it's like when you, you've been on the baseball field for like oh, two weeks and then you get to go to the golf course for once on an off day, like you freaking love it. Right. Yeah. Like, it's, it's just like that. So, um, yeah, I, I just, I was just grateful to be able to play three sports and, and be pretty decent at all three. Um, and had a lot of fun doing it. And like, like I said, um, when all four years, um, like my very first, the freshman fall, I mean, we want to, the first sport I played was football as a Southridge high school student and we won a state championship. So like we, it was, we had a very good four years. Um, not even, not just my class, the classes above me as well. Um, and there's even been success in the classes below that have done some decent things these couple of past couple of years. So, 
Um, Southridge is doing pretty well right now. All right, so last baseball segment I kind of want to dig into is your on-the-field play. Obviously, once you headed to Ann Arbor there your freshman year, you put basketball, put football to the wayside, became you know mainly focused on the game of baseball. How did you evolve as a baseball player after putting that primary focus on the game of baseball and putting basketball, football to the side? Yeah, I mean, it kind of got put on hold for a sec there um, because I was out for, for three or four months completely and then um, – you know, started swinging around the four or five month mark, whatever it was, um, lightly, uh, but it wasn't really completely healthy until eight months later. Um, so I, I mean, it was and this fall or going from the last summer to, to this fall was the first time I kind of got to play baseball, uh, for a, a good amount of period of time, um, other than just, um, you know, high school season and then into summer ball. Um, but getting able, being able to just work every single day um, in a college, in a program as well, um, I think was was good for me. But I'm excited to see um, how how much I can even um, develop at Purdue as well, um, and just see how where I can grow as a player and what I can get better at, and and just develop as a as a person and as a player. Okay, so it's kind of digging into the hitting side of things. Kind of take us through your hitting approach, you know, what's going through your mind when you're on deck, maybe walking up to that batter's box, kind of take us through with that approach, maybe what that mindset is while you're hitting. Yeah. I mean, this past season, it it just, it kind of depends on coaching staff just because sometimes they have their own philosophy as well. Um, So you kind of have to buy into that. Um, But personally, like I I like to be on the fastball, um, be on time for the fastball. I need that's kind of what I was struggling at just being rusty this past summer. Cause I didn't get as many at bats as what I wanted to this spring was being on time for the fastball. Um, but that's what I'm going to, that's what I'm really working on and striving to, to kind of make my approach around um, and just being short to the ball and, and being explosive with some power. Um, and then, you know, letting the wheels fly from there. Okay, so on the on the mechanics side of things, kind of take us through your hitting mechanics from that load up to that follow through, what those mechanics are looking like and how maybe they evolved going from a high school player to going through these past couple of years at that next level. Take us through, you know, the, the mechanics of your swing. Yeah, um, I had a leg, leg kick pretty much all of high school for the most part, um, but especially my senior year. Um, and then as well in college and this this past fall, um, but I, I kind of just recently switched that to, um, being a lot more shorter just because of timing reasons. Um, I felt like I was just getting my foot down late too much and I wasn't on time consistently enough. Um, so that's kind of what I've been working on is just, um, being shorter, um, in my load, um, not being so, so big, um, and just kind of being in the ground more um and being more more simple to be honest because it's hard to have a huge leg kick when you're seeing 95 96 um you know you can still get on time but it's I feel like it's a lot more difficult than when you're kind of your head's more still and you and you just stay short to it um you can pick it up a lot better you pick up spin a lot better you see the zone better um so that that's kind of what I've been trying to focus on the most especially these past couple of months and what I'm going to focus on the most going into this fall um other than just cleaning up um you know fine tuning the swing of course other than that but even more so the approach part 
Okay, so as you talk about adjustments, let's kind of go ahead and dig into your development as well. Um, so as you look forward to getting to West Lafayette, going through these next couple of years, um, what are maybe some of those key points of emphasis you're wanting to work on when it comes to your development? Yeah, I mean, I honestly just want to get better at all facets of my game. Um, I think I, I did very well this summer with the glove, and I want to continue that. Um, I think being able to steal a bunch of bags this year is going to be on my list as well. Um, I want to really affect um, the game on the bases, and that's a big emphasis of Coach Goffs and that coaching staff is being able to run. Um, the past couple of years, they've had guys over multiple guys over 20, 30 bags. Like they like to run, um, so I think I'm going to pride myself on that as well. Um, but mostly just getting my approach, like I said, just tuned up and and just seeing getting a bunch of reps and and seeing pitches and and seeing it out the hand well and recognizing it and. And, and just getting a lot of reps this fall and getting a lot better at, at kind of just all facets of my game. Okay, so one question I always like to throw in here for the guys who are right-handed but hitting lefty. How does that happen for you? Take us through that. Did you or did you just grow up and you, when you when you first picked up a bat, did you just swing, swing it left-handed? Was it maybe your dad telling you that left-hander hit left-handed hitters have a um, an advantage? You know, how does that, how does that happen there for you? Yeah, um, it actually was indeed, I believe, my dad. Um, he was the, he was the, uh, you should hit left-handed. Um, and so that's just kind of what I did. And, and uh, I mean, I, I, that's just what I've known. And every I, everything I do is pretty much right-handed other than uh, when I swing, um, whether that's a golf club or, or a baseball bat. Uh, but everything else I do is right-handed. So it's, it's kind of unique, but um kind of like being different too. I feel like it'd kind of be boring being all right or yeah. even just being all left. So being able to kind of mix it up is kind of cool. Of course. You know, I was like kind of hearing those stories from you guys who are throwing righty, hitting lefty. Yeah. It's They're always different. I had this one guy come on who like he writes lefty, but he kicks righty, swings lefty. Like it's like, it's all like, it's like 50, 50 down the middle. What he does yeah. right is lefty. And then there's, you know, guys like you who only swing, only swing lefty. Everything else is righty. So um, you know, I'm always curious when it comes to that. But last, yeah. last baseball question here for you. Looking at your game's entirety, if you were a scout watching your game, what would be that personal scouting report you'd write up on yourself? Hitting, fielding, maybe even relationships with teammates. What would be that personal scouting report? Uh, I think plays with a lot of a uh, uh, passion, um, with his, with the heart on his sleeve for sure, um, but also just affects the game. I'm not going to go for for every game, um, but being able to have a good glove, um, to play lockdown shorts up, to be able to draw walks, to to steal bags, to do things like that, um, just affect the game every single day. Um, I think I do a pretty good job at that, regardless if I'm hitting well or not. Um, and and just kind of being a pest and a guy you'd like to play with, but not a guy you'd like to play yeah. against kind yeah. of guy. Okay. All right. So last segment here for you. Like I said, I like to end off every podcast digging into a couple personal side of things. Um, so first off, passions beyond the game. Let's say you got to go take your mind off of something, maybe cope with some stress. What are some of those passions, maybe some of those hobbies that you have beyond the game of baseball? Yeah, I think the past two years, it's been mostly just be around friends. Um, but growing up, it was definitely being more outdoors, um, just kind of growing up in the countryside. Um like the fish. I just like to be outside, to be honest, whether it was shooting in the driveway. Um, I mean, doing whatever, um, hunting, fishing, 
um, just being outdoors. And I think that was a, a big, big thing for me growing up was not being addicted to the phone and being outside, um, being able to be a kid um, with a little bit of imagination and hidden game winning shots type thing in the driveway. So um, I think that was kind of the, the uh, majority of it growing up. Okay. All right. So on the motivation side of things, you know, what is it deep down internally that helps you get out of bed every morning, helps you continuously evolve as a ball player, as a person, what are some of those motivations that you have? Yeah, I just try to try to chase joy every day and, and not really happiness, not chase results, but chase the process kind of. Um, and also just being where I'm at um, and, and just kind of, you know, living life, um, not really stressing too much. Um, just kind of doing what I want. Um, but still, but still making my future self proud, um, still making my past self proud, um, and being a productive human and and doing things that I need to get done. Um, but yeah, just living life and, um, enjoying myself for sure. So Taking that question a little bit further, you talk about, you know, impressing your future self, take, Perfect picture of your life. 20 years down the road, you'll be what? Maybe 40, 41 years old or so. Everything's going right for you. What is that perfect picture of your life looking like? That's tough because I don't, I I honestly don't look in the future too much. But if I had to um, pick a dream, I guess um, it would be, it'd be a a nice, loving home. Um, Nothing too crazy, but a nice one. Um, maybe a couple toys, um, but just kind of a, hopefully a loving family. Um, and hopefully my kid's also a stud because I would really like that if he was a lot better than me, that would be pretty cool. Yeah, of course. So you, you want to move back to Du Bois County or you want to maybe spread out somewhere um, else in the state or the Midwest? Yeah, I'm not really for sure yet. Um, kind of just where the wind blows me to be honest, but, um, we'll see. Um, but I wouldn't mind going back to Huntingburg. Um, but I also could definitely see myself moving outside of Du Bois County um, just for other opportunities. Um, I do like being away, but I also do love Huntingburg. Um, it's kind of a weird match. I love both both aspects of of uh, both sides. Um, love the small town feel, but I also love being around people. Um, so it's we'll see. Um, but I guess I'll keep, I guess I'll uh, shoot you a text in a few okay. years and let you know. Okay. Well, we'll see. We'll see. Uh, <laughs> got, uh, got, got four more questions here for you. I'll go ahead and ask them in sets of two. Um, so first, uh-huh. coolest contact in your phone, scrolling through your contacts, who would be that coolest contact you have? And then second one, TikTok for you page, scrolling on a TikTok or Instagram reels, whatever it happens to be. What are maybe some of those TikToks that you're seeing um, on your for you page? Uh, let me, let me look for a number real quick. Cause, <laughs> cause I, I mean, there's a couple that are decent. I know I thought, I think I have Brandon Inge's number. Okay. Um, one. I'm assuming that probably came from the Canes Midwest. That came from, he was the assistant coach actually at uh, oh, Michigan or the voluntary at Michigan. That. I forgot. Uh, I, I forgot about that. Yeah. I believe I have his number. At least I hope so. He's a clown, though. Yeah, I do have his number. So I would probably, I would probably go with Brandon Hinge. He's probably the most famous I got. Okay. Um, and then I would say, 
for you, Paige, I, I love Theo Vaughn. Um, <laughs> so I like, and I also love like Family Guy. So I feel yeah. like half of my clips are are Theo Vaughn and Family Guy. Um, and then of course the other like two percent is everybody's TikTok, where it's just like a girl in a bikini. So um, you get those obviously. It shows everybody up, it shows up occasionally. Yeah, but, it shows up occasionally for for some reason. But I say those are the the two yeah. main things, though. Um, so you mentioned Theo Vaughn. That's actually where the question came from. I was scrolling through. TikTok oh, really? And I see. I think it was. I think it was Theo Vaughn talking to Luke Combs. I could be wrong. I think that's what it was. And he asked him what his TikTok for you page was. And I was like, you know what? I was like, that's one damn good question. I, I got to start asking people on the podcast. So yeah. um, since then, I saw that a couple of weeks ago. I've been asking everybody. So final two questions here for you. Go to playlist. You know, you're about to make that long drive today. What's that song? What's that song? Genre singer. Who are you? Who are you putting on the radio podcast as well? If you maybe want to throw that in there. And then final question. Dream NIL brand. Get to capitalize on your name, image and likeness with any company here in the country. What would be that dream brand? Um, The first uh, if I'm going on a drive, it depends on the mood. Um, if I'm feeling more rap, I'm definitely going to go like a Drake. I'm going to go probably like four hours of Drake. And then, uh, if I go country, I'll listen to a lot of Zach Bryan, um, Tyler Childers, people like that. Uh, podcasts. I love both the Joe Rogan podcast and Theo Vaughn's podcast. Um, so I'll listen to those here and there um dream nil brand that's a very good question ah i feel like i don't know see i, I would say like bush light but I, you can't say that on air so <laughs> you can't say that you can't say that on air um i would probably have to go with i mean obviously like a clothing brand would be nice because i'm not the most drippiest person to be honest yeah. So like if I could get like a good clothing brand, like I don't have like hardly any Lululemon stuff, but I, I've heard good reviews. Um, so like one of those brands are like a Nike. I mean, that would be sick. Um, so I'd say one of those. Okay. Well, if you would have said Bushlight, I mean, that would have been the first, I think that would have been the first time someone answered. I mean, that's, a, I would say that'd be a pretty good deal going on. Um, Nike, Lululemon, those are definitely. Like once I turn 21. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll edit that part out and then I'll just, I'll release just that single part when, when you turn 21, but, uh, <laughs> but no, Nike, Lululemon, those are by far, I'd say number one, number two, when it comes to, you know, when it comes to the, the amount of answers I get for that, that yeah. question. but um, no, man, that's the final question here in the JKR podcast. Really appreciate you coming on the show. Episode is going to release here probably next week. Um, but you know, as you go through the rest of your career, as you go through the rest of your career, best of luck. Um, I'll be following you. Obviously, when you're like I said, next spring when you got that date circled against Michigan, yeah. I'll definitely be tuning in, seeing how you're facing some of your former teammates, man. But again, thanks for coming on the show and best of luck as you go through the rest of your career. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me. And uh if you ever want some Purdue baseball tickets, uh shoot me a text and get you get you a seat and Maybe have a beer and a hot dog or something. Have a good time. Okay. All right. So, I, I mean, I think I think those people down there at West Lafayette, they like Bush Light. So yeah, uh, I, I don't think they mind it. I don't think they mind it. 